Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. On this Thursday, we got a state championship game tonight. Vermeen Catholic against a Washtenaw Christian. Should be a whale of a game. Uh, we talked with VC head coach Brock Prejean on Tuesday. Tomorrow at noon, I will not be in on in the studio tomorrow. I will be on the show for a little bit um, on the phone with Blaine filling in because I'll be on my way to New Orleans to cover the St. Thomas More Lafayette Christian game. We spoke with Coach Falk yesterday, and um, the plan is we're going to talk with STM play-by-play Long-time play-by-play football announcer. And you can hear that game right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, Danny Jones. Um, man, just a whale of a game, and we'll we'll, we'll talk more with Danny in, in the next segment. Man, the baseball winter meetings ended, and, you know, there's still a lot more hot stoves left to, to be done. But, like, it is... It is crazy. Like, we talked yesterday a lot about Aaron Judge and whether you should sign him to a nine-year deal. I mean, there were two shortstops that got 11-year deals. 11 years. 11. (laughs) The thing about baseball is all these contracts are guaranteed. It's not like football where you sign a guy for five years and you know you got a way to get out of it after two or three really easily fairly easily I I just Xander Bogarts great name one of the great names in baseball really good player 11 years 280 million he didn't get quite as much as some of these others and you know the talk now is that that Carlos Correa is going to get $300 million from the Giants, and he might. I mean, you know, they lost out on on Judge when they probably thought he was going there. It, it, it It's hard to compare different positions, but again, Correa is, we talked about him a lot. You know, should the Astros keep him? Should they not? And, you know, how good, how valuable is he really? Never driven in 100 runs. Um, Not a guy that's really ever, he doesn't look like, a, he, he's not a guy that's going to hit like 40 homers. You know, he, he's not, I, I wouldn't consider him, I mean, he hits home runs, but I wouldn't consider him a home run hitter. He's not like, I mean, I guess he's capable. He's driven in like, I think 92 is his career high. 
it's not like he's not capable of driving in a a hundred runs. He, but he's a plus leader, and he's a plus shortstop, and he's got a good a right arm uh, as I've ever seen. Um. So, I mean, it's he's probably not doesn't have quite the velocity like a Sean Dunstan had, but but in terms of like, I mean. He, he, I, I've seen him make so many incredible relay throws. I mean, it's just he, – he's a plus defensive player, a plus leader, and he's a good hitter. And that sometimes he's a really good hitter. I've, I've never thought he was a great hitter. You know, now, at times in the postseason, he's been a clutch hitter. And so I could see him hitting a million doubles if he goes play at uh, whatever that ballpark's called now where the Giants play. But – it's a beautiful park, but it's not a home run hitting park. And but 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 it's got huge outfield, it seems like, and he's a line drive hitter. So I could see Correa's best when he's hitting the ball to right line drives to right center. That's when he's really playing well. And um and so we'll we'll we'll, we'll see how that works with him there. They got you know, people are trying talking about all kind of crazy stuff. And, I mean, like him going the Mets, signing him and putting him at third base and all that. I just don't see him doing that. But, I mean, like, what are the Padres going to do with Bogarts? They got, like, four shortstops, the Padres. They got all these shortstops. I don't know what they're going to do with all these people. But, anyway, they're going to figure it out. Um, I think, you know, I, I think yesterday when I was talking about the pro- how many teams that on paper look like they could be World Series contenders? I don't even think I mentioned the Padres. I was kind of going pretty quick running down the list there. I don't even think I mentioned the Padres. I mean, I mean baseball right now. And again, we all we've all seen it. I mean, look how many times in the last decade that all the supposed experts said. Um, you know the the punks are just I mean they're they just put them in the World Series just 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 hand them the title they got all the talent I mean this is it's baseball it's not basketball and it's not even football like the, so much goes into winning in baseball that has nothing to do with how much talent you have on your payroll it, it it's you have to have talent in the right positions at the right time and you have to have the right um, the right chemistry. All right, let's do this. We will take a timeout and come back a little and start this next set uh, a little earlier because we want more time with um with Danny Jones anyway. So we'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you, 
the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles wants to get you to win two special sneak peek passes to watch the new Whitney Houston biographical movie. I want to dance with somebody. If you would like to do that, simply need to text Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, to 68683. Text Whitney to 68683. You might win a pair of tickets for a sneak peek preview on December the 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. This great offer brought to you by A. Brian Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us, he's all kind of things, but one of the things he's been for a long time is, is the voice of the St. Thomas Moore football Cougars, Mr. Danny Jones. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Foot. How are you doing? Well, you've done a lot of big games and state championships and great events. St. Thomas More playing LCA for the state championship. I mean, I I don't know if that can be topped with every any all the games you've been done. No, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I look back at 2019 when St. Thomas More won the state championship and they hosted it at St. Thomas More and it was a absolutely epic night. But to go back to the Superdome for the first time since 2018, you know, these kids were all in the eighth grade the last time St. Thomas Moore, you know, competed at the Superdome for a state championship. It's just, you know, the, the lights and, and everything, the, the big-time the big time atmosphere where the Saints play, it's an incredible opportunity for all the kids that get to experience it, not just St. Thomas Moore, LCA, VC, you know, all those that are going to compete over the next three days. <clears throat> so what what is, I mean – you know, we all remember when 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 LCA was dominating everyone and, and and took the you know boys basketball by storm and and created a lot of conversation. And then the football program was still in its formative day, years then. And and the last six years they've been dominant. They moved up to four A, and it just seems like this could be the start of 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 a great rivalry here. Well, and I think so. You know, a lot of people were, were curious to see, you know, that game in Week 10. And I think a lot of people were, were shocked at the outcome. I mean, LCA's got phenomenal athletes, phenomenal athletes. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say they, they struggled. You know, they, they had a tough loss to Rustin and then lost a, a heartbreaker to Turlings. And then, you know, the St. Thomas Moore battle was a back-and-forth affair. But, you know, I, I said it as we were going through District 4-4A play with – Sterlings and Westgate and LCA and St. Thomas Moore, specifically LCA, Sterlings and St. Thomas Moore. I just felt like the state championship ran through Lafayette. It was just a matter of who got paired on what side of the bracket, when everybody played, and we we turned out to be right. Three of the four teams from District Four. I think the the level of play between those three schools this year was was outstanding. So. Are you just, I mean, I, you know, I guess I'm old, so I guess some people say, well, that makes you old school. Some things I kind of, I'm not totally old school on, but, you know, like 60-something to 50-something football games. Do you just, do you like those, or does it just make you uncomfortable? You know, you kind of go back to, I remember, you know, the, the Alabama-LSU game 9-6. to six. And some people said, oh, the game was terrible, but they love defense. Or you take the a 48-45 game and, you know, was it a lot of fun or was it an instant classic? You know, 
the, the score with LCA and us in week 10 was 41-34, and it was 10 nothing at halftime. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's you know, and, but you've seen – and I think really what's people, what has people looking at it is the amount of points LCA has scored against Dillisau and Turling, 70 and 68, 138 points in the last two weeks. And a lot of those against Dillisau came in the fourth quarter, 30-plus points in the fourth quarter against Dillisau. So, look, I think it's safe to say Juwan Johnson is a phenomenal athlete and playing at a very, very high level right now. And, and St. Thomas Moore has got their defense cut out for him. So, look, in 2018, it was a 55-46 loss for St. Thomas Moore against U-High, which they, a lot of people dubbed as the, the team of the century in, in the state of Louisiana. Um, it was fun. Um, but and I think people like to see points scored, but – I think there's going to be a lot of points scored tomorrow afternoon uh, between LCA and St. Thomas Moore. It's just a matter of how it's going to end up. I, you know, people want to say a prediction, and they ask me for predictions all throughout the season and the playoffs. I really don't have a good one for this one. I really don't. It, I, you know, it's you know, my there, there, there's something inside of me, and typically, uh, this I would look at this as a red flag game, and what I mean by that is everybody thinks it's going to be like you know, 50 to 40 or some crazy score like that. Um, and yet a lot of times when we think that, it turns out the other way. Can you even see a scenario, though, where it would turn out to be, you know, 21-17 like the first LCA Turlings games was? I don't I don't see that. Um, you know, LCA had four turnovers in that game, and, you know, that, that's kind of the name of the game. Um, if, if you have turnovers, it's the great equalizer, even on the scoreboard. Uh, you know that. Um I just, man, I'd be, I'd be shocked unless there, unless we talked next week and there was seven turnovers between the two teams. Um, I, man, it, I just don't see a defensive struggle. I think these two offenses are, are performing at a, a high, high level. Um, St. Thomas Moore's defense has played really well. I don't think anybody thought they would shut LCA out in the first half of the first game. Um, and and they're, they've played better and better as the season has gotten on and, uh, our offensive line's playing well right now. Jawan Johnson's playing great for LCA. I think these offenses are, are really clicking at the end of the season, which is if you're still playing, that's what you're hoping for. There were some question marks about the Cougars going into the season. Didn't play great de- defense at times last year and and right. had questions at quarterback. And the defense has been tremendously improved. And, man, it, it, Sam Altman has been just incredibly impressive to me. What do you think of those two areas? I, I think Sam, and obviously they had a two-quarterback system for the first half of the 2022 season. And I think since Sam has taken the reins, he, he's matured drastically. And he's put up some good numbers. But I think, more importantly, he's, he's making wise choices for the most part. Yeah, as a quarterback, this is going to happen to the greatest. You wish you would have this throw back or that throw back, but he's even starting to use his legs a little bit. You know, we joke about our, our dual threat quarterback, um, which which he is not, but he has used his legs at you know certain times over the last five weeks to to help pick up an important first down or get into the end zone. Um, and, and so he's matured a lot. And, and I hate to say that a quarterback is a great game manager, but he's played really, really well. He's played smart. And he's led this team to where they, where they need to be. I mean, you, you talk about a lot of question marks. Everybody thought the ceiling for this football team was seven and three going into the year. Um, and I told people, I said I could see six and four, I could see seven and three. And inside that locker room and inside that football program, I think they knew they had something special. They had a lot of good athletes on the outside. Our wide receiver cores as deep as it's been. It, the senior group, there's our four top wide receivers are all seniors. 
Uh, we've got a deep running back room with four guys that can that can play on Friday night and start uh, for St. Thomas War. And so I think inside that locker room, as I just mentioned, they knew they had a chance to be special, but they truly had to take in another cliche week by week um, because while maybe an Alexandria senior high didn't have as great a season as we maybe anticipated or they did a year ago, the schedule looked brutal. And, and I think that's a, a testament to what Jim Hightower has put together. But you had some brutal games, and then you had a, a tough stretch with, with Westgate and Turlings and LCA to end the season. Uh, it, it was some, some brutal football for, for the 2022 season. And so just like everybody else, they're banged up. But they've got they've got a chance to, to prove a lot of naysayers um, wrong tomorrow. And I know Jim Hightower, he told me two days ago, he repeated it again yesterday at lunch. He said, win, lose, or draw. He goes, I'm super proud of this group. And he, he said, look, it's going to take a phenomenal effort. It's going to take a phenomenal effort, effort on each, each team. To, to come out victorious. Uh, but I think there's a lot to be proud of by Jim Hightower and his entire staff about what the SDM football program has done this year. All right. So if there's one thing, like if I say, and look, I've only, I saw, I don't know how many of your games this year, maybe three, I think three times. But if there's one thing that I would say, if there's like something that STM has not been great at this year, it's finishing strong, you know, against Turlings, kind of struggled late. Uh, L- LCA game kind of struggled late. Uh, I covered the Westgate game. The second half didn't go real well. H- have you put your finger on that at all? And and uh, I'm sure the coaches are hoping that doesn't uh, rear its ugly head again tomorrow. I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's something you can put your, your finger on, Kevin. You know, I, I remind people all the time, and we get excited, and this is going to be a great atmosphere, and, and a great opportunity for these kids, and that's that's the that's the term we need to remember. These are kids; they're 15 to 18 year old kids that are playing for all their teams at the Superdome this weekend, that are going out and giving it their all, and, and doing something they love, not for the name on the back of their jersey, but for their school. And so, I think it's hard to put a finger on. I think at times, you know, momentum is a huge thing in high school football or high school sports in general. I think momentum can, can change on the flip of a dime, and I think St. Thomas Moore's just been on the tail end of that. You know, they, they had great momentum in the third quarter against Turlings, and then it completely shifted in the fourth quarter, and it happened to get at it happened against uh, Alexandria Senior High. It happened against Westgate, and 10 nothing against LCA, and it went back and forth in the second half. So I, I, it's tough to put, uh, you know, your thumb on it. Uh, I just think you have to remember that at the end of the day, these are all kids. You know, I covered the LCA Turlings game last week, and it looked like LCA was up, what was it, 40 to 10? I mean, it looked like it was about to be a blowout, and then boom, Turlings scores four straight touchdowns, and it's 40 to 32, and they got all the momentum. Uh, you yeah. know, so you just, and then they, and then LCA got it right back. So you're right, momentum is a, sh- a crazy thing. But it, so look, I think the hardest thing to do is pl- to, to play a team twice in the season. Yeah. Um, obviously, LCA is going to want to, you know, avenge their loss from Week Ten, and I think one of the key things, you know, X's and O's. These are two great coaching staffs. Uh, LCA's got phenomenal athletes. I think St. Thomas More's scheme is is very good, and they have guys that have they have kids that have brought bought into the program. Uh, I, I think having a rematch from Week Ten, I think the the key thing for St. Thomas More is matching the intensity of LCA because LCA is going to be hyped to, to show people that week 10 was a fluke and understandably so. And they're just going to, you know, they're going to have to match their intensity. I think that's the hardest part about playing somebody 
uh, twice in one season, especially if you beat them the first time. Uh, I, I think that's correct. Again, we're speaking with, with Danny Jones. Christian McNeese, what, you know, St. Thomas Moore's had a lot of great playmakers at that position. They have arguably the best wide receiver coach in the state of Louisiana. And 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 yet, man, he is – where would you rank him with the great playmakers at wide receiver that STM's had in all the years you've been around there? Man, obviously Christian's a phenomenal athlete. Um, he's got good size, uh, good physique. Um, commitment to try to be the best is, is, is no doubt there. Um, obviously, he's been hobbled by injuries uh, here and there. Uh, he got hurt the week of Thanksgiving practice, rolled his ankle, and fought through it to play the Thanksgiving quarterfinals. Um, you know, it, it's hard because you look back at the days of Jamie Howard at quarterback, the game has changed so much. Uh, Britt Broadhead, Lance Strother, Javon Walker. You, you go back to some of those days that you and I remember 25-plus years ago, and then you look at what Shane Savoy has done as the offensive coordinator at St. Thomas Moore. He's a special athlete. If you watch him and you've seen him a few times this year, he could turn a five-yard hitch into a 60-yard touchdown. And his ability to break away, and he's got deceptive speed. Again, I think it's hard to, to rate a kid. I don't think it's fair to him. Um, but he's obviously a, a special talent um, and a young man that, that can be a difference maker and he's going to have to be tomorrow. No, he definitely can do that. And, um, you know, uh, and, you know, both of these teams, like when I interviewed Trev uh, yesterday, he talked about the red zone, but I've seen these two teams score so many touchdowns where they're not even near the red zone. I mean, it's just the big, and Christian's a big part of that, can just turn, you know, a hitch and go up the sideline for 50, 60 right. yards. I mean, do you, uh, to me, it's going to come down to obviously turnovers are, are huge, but you, it's going to be important for these defenses to somehow not give up so many 60 and 70 yard touchdown plays. Well, you know, and, and look, I, I need to be careful saying what I'm going to say because you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put out there what I think is going to happen. But I told somebody, I, I said, if our offense can click uh, like it has been, and we can get a stop per half, I like our chances because I, I think stops are going to be at a premium for these two football teams and these defenses tomorrow, as you just said. And whether it's turnovers, whether it's a turnover on downs, whether it's just a punt. This is this is going to sound weird to say, but the team that gets the most stops obviously is going to win. But I think stops are going to be at an absolute premium, and and if the offense is clicking, if you can if you can get a stop per half, depending on who gets the ball to start the game and possible possibility to make it take it at the end of the first half, second half, that that's where I think you'll you'll see the game turn. Uh, absolutely. Now, one area that I think not you know that that St. Thomas More has an edge in at least over the course of the season. Now, Jawan Johnson, you know, he's a run, he can be a runner, and so that kind of can alter that a little bit. But the running game, I mean, St. Thomas Moore's running backs, as far as just running backs and running the football, have been very effective. And, and that could be a method or a way of neutralizing STM, I mean, uh, LCA's offense a little bit. Well, and, and so many times, you know, we played Edie White last week. And obviously that's a run first and, and predominantly run football team. And, you know, they were going to bleed the clock down to, you know, from the play clock from 40 to f within five seconds on every play. That was their, that was their goal. Their, their best offense was to keep our offense off the field. Um, and, and so while that's not St. Thomas Moore's forte and, and how they're going to do it, they're going to run their up tempo, but I think the running game and, and 
showed it in week 10. Uh, the opportunity to run the football was there in week 10 against LCA in the 41-34 victory. But if Charlie Payton, Hutch Swilly, John Luke St. Pierre, Gabe Mossick can can find the holes, and they, they do believe they have a you know the technique matchup up front to be able to get them, uh, if St. Thomas Moore can run the football, that's going to help limit the possessions, obviously, for, for Jawan Johnson because, look, the young man had nine touchdowns a week ago, or he accounted for nine touchdowns. Yes. You don't, you don't want the football in his hands, period. I, I, absolutely. All right, so before I let you go, if I told you that if St. Thomas Moore wins this state championship, it's going to be the sweetest, the best, whatever word, you know, I rank it as, as the biggest accomplishment um, of all the state titles in the program, what would you say to that? I think it's got a little bit extra because you're playing a Lafayette team. Uh, so, so there's some bragging rights. Not only is it a fellow Lafayette team, but it's a, a district a district foe and presumably going to be a district foe uh, for the foreseeable future, at least for next year, depending on how reclassification goes. I think anytime you get a chance to, to line up against people that, you know, people are friends outside of and families know each other and maybe players know each other, um, you know, across town, there's an opportunity to do something special. Uh, I, I think it would mean a lot. I think the, the first state championship for St. Thomas Moore in 2016 will, will always uh, be a carrot that they think was, you know, one of the greatest moments in, in program history. But to, to go and, and possibly beat LCA tomorrow and maybe do what some people think they can't, beat them twice in one season, I think they're probably the underdog. I think this one would be pretty sweet. Well, we appreciate your time as always, and I know you're going to have lots of fun tomorrow night. Uh, I mean, tomorrow I say tomorrow night. I'm used to saying night tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what happens. Hope to see you down there. Good job. Thanks so much, Kevin. Appreciate you having us guys on. Take care. Danny Jones, longtime play-by-play guy for St. Thomas Moore football. And, uh, no, it, it, is, it is really a, a whale of a matchup. Um, and we've been, you know, I've covered LCA. I covered LCA's game last week. I saw them play the McDonough 35. What round was that? Second round of the playoffs. And I've seen STM, I think, three times. And I just, I mean, like I said, good luck to the defenses. But, I, and and I just don't know. Like, normally I would say, this was a, like an NFL game, I'd say. Everyone is thinking it's going to be high scoring, so it's probably going to be low scoring. I just don't know, after seeing these offenses, I just don't know if that's possible. I, I just, the way football is played now, I think it would take a lot of turnovers for that to be the case. Like, a lot of turnovers. But that's also possible, I guess. It, it's going to be a very muy, muy interesting. And, um... We'll see what happens tomorrow. And I, I do think for either one of these teams, it's going to be the they've all they both got multiple state championships. I think for either one of them, this would be the crown jewel of all their state championships. Just my opinion, just because of, you know, just how cool the matchup is and two Lafayette teams playing one another. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll shift gears to Cajun basketball with UL. Men's basketball director of operations slash assistant coach, I call him, um, Mike Murphy, next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. 
The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. This is one of our AcadianaDeals.com that hits home with five names. Hits home with Hannah. Two for one deal. AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday, you can get $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. That's a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for half the price. Can't do it unless you go to AcadianaDeals.com tomorrow. On Friday, where you can get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. I um I I would lo- I would enjoy to win it, but I can't. Maybe maybe uh Hannah can get me an inside track into Outback Steakhouse. Maybe. All right. We have with us UL men's basketball director of operations, Mike Murphy. How are you, sir? Good morning, Kevin. I'm great. Thank you. Well, um, exam week. Um, is it a little tricky to get total concentration in practice or out on ex- on final exams week? Is it actually a relief to be in practice so you even get more energy out of players when you do practice that week? Well, it's a little bit of both, really. Uh, it depends on the individual. Uh, if you've been doing your work all semester, you're in good shape. If you're trying to catch up, it's a little <laughs> it's a little tight. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a strange week because the, the schedule, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? Especially in athletics, you go to practice at a certain time, you've got a practice plan. You go from A to B to C to D it's very structured. And when you get into finals week, that, that structure, that plan has to be readjusted. And sometimes that can be a little unsettling to the coaches and the players. It's just not the players, but sometimes for the coaches as well, it becomes a little unsettling. So things aren't quite as structured. But, uh, you know, the dogs bark and the caravan moves on. You've got to prepare for a game, which we have on Saturday against Sanford, a very good team. So our players have to juggle their books, their academics, and their basketball, just like they have to do throughout the entire semester. But when it's finals week, you get that disjointed schedule, which can cause a little angst amongst um, everybody involved. So do, do any of the players have finals on, like, Saturday, or is it all over by then? No. No, it's over by then. Yeah, it's okay. over by then. Yeah. Yeah. All For right. One way or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it's funny, but it's really not a laughing matter because we have had some issues uh, in recent years where guys, you know, didn't get it done totally in the classroom and missed playing time. I mean, it's serious. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that Coach takes very, very seriously. Since he, once he got here, to be honest with you, the, the, the academic part of the student-athlete was really forgotten about. It, it was – it was just a mess, and and he turned things around academically really quickly by laying down the low law, so to speak, and, and telling guys, listen, if you're not going to class, you're not going to play. If you're flunking classes, you're not going to play. So, you know, we've had several semesters. We've had the highest GPA in, 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 in school history in, 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 in terms of the men's basketball program. Right. And so he takes this very seriously, and he will sit guys down if they're not doing their work. You know, if you're, if you're, not, if you're not giving your best – now, listen, everybody's not an A student, right? I wasn't an A student. But you got to try. You got to do your best. 
you got to put effort in, just like you do in the weight room on the basketball court or wherever. That's all he asks. And when guys do that, they get rewarded. When they don't, they don't get rewarded. And some guys have had to learn hard lessons, some tough love that coach will provide if you're not doing what you need to do academically. Fortunately, that lesson has gotten through. That message has gotten through. That lesson has been learned for the majority of our guys since I've been here and I'm going into year 10. And we've been very fortunate with our our academic progress within our student body. You mentioned Samford is a um, is a good team. To, uh, w- w- what kind of squad are they in terms of their strengths, and, and and what could be an issue there? Yeah, they're they're really good. I think they're the second best team we've played outside of Drake. Um, I know Louisiana Tech beat them at their place, but I do think Samford is a very unique team. They have five guys that score double figures, anywhere from ten to thirteen points. There's great balance there. They have a bunch of guys that can shoot the three ball. They'll take close to 33s a game. That's how they play. They'll press. They'll put a lot of pressure on the ball, baseline to baseline. Regardless of the score, that's how they're going to play. It's a unique style. You don't see it a lot. But um, it's worked well for them. They won 21 games last year. I think this year they were preseason number one in the Southern Conference. And uh, their last two games they've lost in overtime at DePaul and at UCF, two really good opponents. So they're very capable, and, and they've got really good balance. And like I said, a lot of guys shoot threes. They put you know, five three-point shooters on the floor almost at any time during the game. And with that pressure they bring full court, you've got to manage that and not get lulled into taking the first shot you see because a lot of times you'll break the press, and what they want you to do is take a quick shot. And if it's a bad shot and it's a quick shot, it usually leads to a runout basket or the three on the other end for them. So, so that's something our guys have to be very cognizant of and very disciplined in how they approach breaking the press. You want to be aggressive, but you have to play at the basket. You don't want to settle for jump shots, which is what Sanford wants you to do so that they can rebound that, especially that quick jump shot off of one pass and bring it to the other end. So they, they pose some problems in a lot of different areas. Like I said, it's a style you don't see a lot, and, and I think they're really well coached and they've got great balance. Well, this sounds like a tricky matchup against a unique kind of a basketball team coming off of exams week. Well, it is, but it'd be tricky regardless of when we played them, um, just because of how they play. And, um, you know, I think we've got pretty good leadership on this team. We've got some experience, but we've got to make sure that we don't get lulled into taking quick shots. Now, if it's a layup, you take it. But you want to, you want to, you know, a lot of times when people break the press, and you see this all the time. The first pass they make to an open player is, is, is open. So what do they want to do? They want to shoot it. Well, that's great if you make it. But if you miss it, especially from the three-point line, long shots lead to long rebounds, which means they're coming to the other end with a full head of steam. Right. And they want to play that way. They want to get off 33s, if not more. You know, they don't mind that. So you, bear, you have to be very aware that, that we want to take the best shot we can get. If it's off of one pass, that's fine, but we also have to be aware we want to play at the basket. We don't want to settle for the jump shot is what I'm trying to say. You don't want to settle for that, okay? After the second or third pass, if you get that jump shot, that's okay because you've made them work a little bit. You've gotten them out of their flow, which they want to create with some chaos with their press, and made them guard in the half court. You know, you always want to attack the basket whenever you hunt offense. The problem is when you play a team that presses, and they will give you that quick shot, it's really tempting to take it. And if you do and you make it, it's great. But if you don't and they come down to the other end, you've got to be on your horse defending your basket. Otherwise, 
they're looking to get that quick three and then start the cycle all over again with pressing off the made or missed basket. That's something else I haven't talked about. They won't just press off makes. They'll press off misses too now. You know, they'll come get you. And so we've got to be aware of, you know, time and score. What's the best shot we can get? If I've got a good shot, get a better shot. If I've got that better shot, let's try to get the best shot. And that's got to be the frame, the mind frame going into the game. In the games that you've played so far, which team has put the most pressure, come the closest to pressuring y'all like you're describing right now? Well, I don't think anybody really all year. We haven't, we haven't, you know, we just haven't, you don't play a lot of teams like this. It's not just people we play, but it's anywhere around the country. There's really not a whole lot of teams that play this way that are willing to press the entire game. Because when you do that, any time you extend your defense for a consistent period of time, you're going to have gaps. You're going to have slippage. You're going to have holes. And good teams are going to take advantage of that offensively. And, and the one thing you do when you extend your defense is you, you, you take away basket protection, which is the highest percentage shot in the game, a shot at the rim, whether it's a layup, a dunk, what have you. And it's really tough as a coach to give up that protection at the basket to extend your defense because you can put a lot of pressure on yourself and you can find yourself in a hole really quickly if that team that you're pressing, who you've extended your defense against, is patient and disciplined enough to, to play at the basket and not just take the first shot they're, they're given. Again, we're speaking with UL Director of Men's Basketball, Director of Operations, Mike Murphy. And so is, is, is it, it's probably an oversimplification to say then there's going to be a lot of pressure on the two point guards to get it done in terms of beating the pressure. I'm sure it's, it's more than just the point guard's responsibility to handle that situation. Oh, it's everybody. There's no doubt. It's not just the point guard. I mean, all five guys have to be aware of the situation, where they are on the floor, where the pressure's coming from, where the trap's coming from. Because sometimes what they'll do is they'll put a player on the ball and they'll go trap the first pass immediately. Sometimes they won't put any pressure on the ball. I'm talking about the inbounder now right. off a made basket. And they'll let you dribble it two or three times, and they'll, they'll, they'll do something called a run and jump. Well, they'll just run at you, Right and jump with the other guy trying to provide pressure that way. And um, so it comes from different angles. It comes from different spots. There are things that are going to be open that we've talked to our guys about. We've got a really good plan going into the game. And we worked on this yesterday in practice. We'll do it again today and tomorrow. But it's easier said than done because you don't, you don't play that way. And if you don't play that way, you don't practice that way. And it's not just us, but that's anybody. So there's, there's going to be a level of pressure on everybody to handle the ball to handle the ball efficiently with discipline and taking advantage of the best shot that we can get, not necessarily the first shot, if that makes any sense. It absolutely does. All right, so Coach Broadhead uh, interviewed him yesterday, and he, he, he each year he, he makes kind of a – he always points this out. Once exams are over before whenever the semester next semester starts again in mid-January – it's a time where the kids aren't in school and you can really practice a little more than you do. How critical has that been in your experience in terms of improving on some fundamentals that might be lacking or, or really improving your team in practice while they're out of school in between semesters? Well, there's a little less pressure when, once, you, once you're done with the academic semester because you don't have class, you don't have study hall, you don't have exams, you don't have projects. You don't have papers due. So mentally for the players, not not so much physically, but mentally for the players, that burden has been eliminated. That stress has been taken off of their plate. 
and in theory, they should be able to focus a little bit more on basketball, which they're able to do. Okay, but you're talking about the middle of December. You're not going to change your team a great deal in the middle of December. I mean, you're 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 getting ready for conference play, and I've always had this, you know, belief that you're one team in November, you're another team in December because you played some games now, and by the time you get to January first, you are who you are. So I don't think you can change a great deal. What it does allow some guys to do is get in the gym and get some extra shots without having to worry about going. You know, I got to I've got to go from A to B to C here in two hours. And I've got to be really on point with my time management because I've got class, study hall, and practice, if that makes sense. They can kind of just enjoy being in the gym, taking those extra shots um, outside of practice, and not worry about where they have to be in the next 15 minutes, if that makes any right, sense. Right. And that's, that's the different part there. They, they, they're, they're able to enjoy the work a little bit more because now they can do it at their pace a little bit and not have to worry about what's next. If we practice in the morning, they can come in the afternoon and shoot. If we should practice in the afternoon, they can come in the morning and shoot. Maybe they can get another lift in. But the schedule isn't so tight that they can't or they don't or they feel like they can't put in the the amount of time they would like to, whether it's lifting or shooting or whatever, because of other other commitments. Sounds great. It should be lots of fun. To, uh, that it sounds like the game seven o'clock on Saturday, the Cajun Dome against Samford, and uh, we appreciate your time as always, sir. Look forward to seeing you then. Good luck. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate it. Go Cajuns. UL Director of Operations, Mike Murphy. I thought he did a great job of explaining that. That sound, you know, I, you know, I've certainly have heard of Samford. I mean, those of us who have been around, that's where Coach um, um, John Brady was years ago, and Jimmy Tillett was there, and so we, we certainly – remember the program but didn't realize um the kind of challenge the cajuns were facing should be a very interesting game saturday at the cajun dome we'll take a time out come back finish out the first hour next on the game southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if you use your Alexa or Google Home Speaker regularly, help you things around the house like lights and thermostats, and all that kind of stuff, you can do it listening to the game as well. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana, it's that easy. That way, you can do the smart thing with your radio listening as well and have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you everywhere you go, home, office, anywhere you go. All right. So I um, didn't know we would spend that much time with Coach Murphy about the actual matchup with, with Samford, but – it sounds interesting, and so from an X and O standpoint, sounds like it's going to be a, um, for those of you who were around in the, what's that, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, um, when Loyola Marymount was doing what it did, um, very, it sounds somewhat like he was saying. I don't know if Sanford goes quite to the extent that Loyola Marymount did, 
But, um, you know, where they just, everything was about just full court, you know, pressure. And, and you know, I, I I was there the day that, and co- was covering the game the day that they came to the PMAC and whatever that score was, 140-something, 140-something. And, you know, the legend of the typewriter breaking. They don't do that typing stuff anymore. But, um. No, just incredible. And so, I mean, I'm not expecting it to be Loyola Marymount, but but that thought did, when he was describing what Samford does, sounds, you know, a lot down that road anyway. Um, interesting. And so, it'll it'll be an interesting matchup. And it does sound like a little bit of a tricky game. You know, when you're coming off exams, you might want to be playing – Louisiana Christian in that game is not quite that way though so we'll see how how that game plays out this is a game that public perception may not be but it sounds like could be a very interesting challenge for the Cajuns who are off to obviously to a fabulous start that'll do it for the first hour another hour to follow stay tuned broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros, who still don't have a catcher. What to have a catcher. They just don't have... They haven't added what some people were expecting to be a backup catcher, and so we'll see how that plays out as the offseason goes on. They could just go with Corey Lee, who played a little bit last year, or Diaz, Yanir Diaz. They, you know, I don't think they're going to do that. We've heard names like, um, you know, Sean Murphy still hadn't been traded. It's starting to sound like that's not going to happen, even though I'd love to have Sean Murphy. Um depending on what the A's are really wanting to um, acquire, you know, in that trade. By the way, if you didn't, as an Astro fan, if you didn't hear the news, Alidmus Diaz has signed with the Oakland A's. So they got quite, it seemed like they got quite a few. Uh, Tony Kemp, ex-Astro, played for the A's and, once upon a time, Jed Lowry played for the Astros. He ended up with the A's on more than one occasion. Seemed like there's somebody else that was with the Astros that played for the A's. It kind of extends that. You know, Lidmus did not finish the season well, but he had some really good moments over the years with the Astros. Appreciate everything that he did for the organization. And uh, now it'll be fun to to hopefully get him out on sliders low and away, <laughs> which he typically has a tough time. Um, handling and laying off. So we'll see how that plays out. But, um, you know, we talked about, we've heard about Alfaro. There's been some talk about Bornhart, the Reds veteran kind of catcher, and he'd be just like a, I don't know why they don't just re-sign Christian Vasquez. Now, Vasquez was all brokenhearted when he left the Red Sox, and I get that, but almost admire that kind of loyalty. But uh, to me, I mean, he had to enjoy his time and winning the World Series. I, I would think he would just want to – they can maybe convince him to stay. Hopefully they do. 
We will see. The Red Sox have had a strange offseason so far. They don't. They let Bogarts go to the Padres, and they signed this uh, Japanese outfielder who's like a short, stocky guy with power from the left side named Yoshida. Now, he may be tremendous, but it sounds like he's a little bit more of a DH, not so much of an outfielder, and you just don't know. I mean, sometimes guys come from Japan or Korea, and they do tremendous, and other times they're, you know, they hear the overrated chant. So, and then they sign Jansen, who's getting older, but it's still an upgrade as a closer. Uh, just a strange deal. Now, maybe the Red Sox are thinking that Trevor Story, who played second base, is just their answer at shortstop. I mean, it wasn't that long ago Trevor Story was a hot commodity as a shortstop. So maybe they could do it that way. We'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, so, I mean, is baseball, is it, it is like the Bobby Bonilla era again? I mean, didn't they learn from Bobby Bonilla's contract? <laughs> it's just crazy. I don't get it. He's 11 year contract. 11 years, this one guy. Two, got, two shortstops got 11 year contracts. One of them over 300 million and the other one 280 million. I mean, that's just crazy to me. I mean, unless they're 15 years old, yeah, I can understand it. But I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on, man. One of these that's guys, be, he's going to be 40 years old when it ends. Like, you don't even know at 37 if they're going to even be viable. I don't know. It's crazy. Now, in in baseball, would you rather have everybody that could pull the ball or you want everybody to hit it to right field? Well, I love right-handed hitters that hit the ball to right field, but in today's era, they they want you to pull the ball, yeah. I could never – I never understood that. So, the reason I really called is, I mean, this – can we get some cool weather? It's December. Can you make that announcement real quick? So you you like yeah. to freeze to death? No, but I don't, man. I just want a little bit, Kevin. <laughs> I, understand. I mean, my sinuses are driving me crazy. <laughs> well, the, anyway, well, the, the up and so down, I, I yeah, it's crazy. This, this thing on 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 Twitter. Now, it's the first time I've ever, I've ever seen a coach do this. A college coach. Did you see the thing Dion put up there? I saw quite a few like things Dion like has was, done, like but he which was one? Advertising. He was advertising. Like, this is what I need for my football team. I'm looking for some good, you know, portal players. Like, he was basically had a commercial like that. Oh, yeah. He's like, something. come on up. That cat is, you know, him and his son are all media, sa- um, you know, social media savvy, and, and they are playing the game. They are, they are maximizing all the advantages that you have in 2022 going into 2023. I, I, and, it might work. Yeah, it's like I was like I'm I'm so shocked nobody else has ever done it. I guess nobody, uh, I don't know if I know if it's morally wrong or what. It's it's kind of <laughs> like you know how forever you went shopping at your uh, you know at some local store and then for a while all the local stores got upset because you know people started doing all their Christmas shopping online. Like this cat is doing the whole new way of of football, you know, and he's he's maximizing it. I mean, I, I don't understand. It just seems a little. I mean, how much how much influence do you think like social media ha, social media has on 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 anything like that? Like, if on somebody the, was starting real quick saying so and so is transferring to to LSU, how much do do coaches look at that and and take that for granted? I mean, what you think the odds are? I I think I think it makes a huge difference with 
18, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, yes. Especially with – they need to do something. In my opinion, the NIL, I, I don't – listen, this is the way I, I – if you're getting money, they ought to make these kids sign some kind of contract saying you've got to stay here. You can't just take the money and run. I See, I never understood that. Well, how they let them get away with it? Well, it's just crazy. Right, it is nuts. So, all right, brother, hang in there. Uh, I don't like to freeze to death, but I understand Saints haters' point that you know it is kind of crazy when one week it's freezing and next week it's hot. I I get the difficulty with, with with that for some people. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that weather stuff plays havoc on my uh, allergies and whatnot. But yes, um, I wanted to uh, clarify one thing real quick was with the whole Justin Herbert pronouncing it a bear. I've heard people say that, but um, I could have sworn I read that he was like a second or third cousin to Bobby a bear. And uh, I, I guess maybe I heard it or it wasn't a reliable source, but I could have sworn I read that. But um, No, I don't believe I it could be true. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, the reason I called was uh, kind of like two or three different things. But one thing, if there is a silver lining or positive to come out in the short term from uh, Monday's loss is you don't have to worry about pulling for the cheaters. That's the true. Folks. Yeah. Well, two things. One, I never have to see Mark Ingram run the football again. And two, I don't have to pull for the cheaters. Correct. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is uh, Superman? Yeah, you know the super the super friends lost their uh, their ace. You know their their big gun. But I have a recommendation for a, a substitute or a, a fill in, and uh, it's Sharif Sharif Shahid, number eighty nine. What are we gonna call him? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to him as uh, the Flash. Ooh, I like that. No, I think that's good. Yeah, I like then, that. Uh, and that's the other thing, too, is uh, if you remember Kamara's first year or even as and, – and definitely not until, like, I don't remember. It was for, like, a while. People would either pronounce it Kamara or Kamara. And uh, it was funny because for, like, the first week or two, you kept saying Z28, Z28. And for a while, I didn't know exactly what crew you were referring to. But I like to – it's almost like – you listen enough, you, you'll you'll catch on. You know, right. your nicknames. So anyway, uh, I assumed Z28. Whenever I found out that 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 was Alvin Camaro, I wasn't thinking of a, a Chevy Camaro. And I'm not a car guy, but I know what one of those are. You know, uh, but I thought you were referring to him as Z28 in terms of we signed Adrian Peterson as a free agent from the Vikings. And he's a ten plus year Hall of Fame running back, but he's a he's a he's basically a two by four or a dump truck. And I thought you were saying Z is in like a algebraic equation. Oh no. Like, oh no. Q- That's I, way too I deep you were for me. He was the yeah. anti uh Adrian Peterson. No, no, no. Oh no, oh no, oh no. I try <laughs> I, I, I I I math me and math, oh no. We don't we, we oh, don't Oh I I add a Track, multiply, divide. After yeah. that, I, I don't need yeah. to try. When they started anyway, putting the uh, letters with the numbers, I was out of there. But I, I appreciate yeah, yeah. the call. Take care. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline before we get to a timeout. And then, Luke, hello. Uh, I heard a local guy, local sports guy, say that uh, Jack Besh, that's how you say his last name, mm-hmm. 
I heard him say that, oh, you know, he loves LSU. You know, he loves LSU. He will never leave. Oh, he's, he's not going anywhere. Because I think someone asked him, like, hey, can you see Bash? Because his role kind of went, kind of was diminished a little bit. It's kind of reduced from uh, from uh, last year. Because I thought he was a nice receiver, but he wasn't he wasn't being used. He wasn't being utilized, I feel, in uh, Brian Kelly offense. But, you know, but the guy felt confident that Bash wouldn't leave. And now he, he, put, his, you know, he put his name in the transfer portal. Where do you see him? You see him uh, playing local? Oh, I, I don't know. From what I hear, I think he's going to be at another SEC school. Yeah, I, I was thinking Florida. I don't know. Uh, I was also thinking Florida or um, Mississippi uh, with Griff, uh, with Lane Kiffin. Wouldn't shock me if he was at Georgia or Alabama either. I mean, I, I really think he's going to be at another SEC school. I mean, obviously. Damn, you, think it, it's that, you think it's top tier? You think it's easy going to be at an upper tier? I think he's going to have Alabama. that opportunity. Yes, sir. Well, I wish him well, you know. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we can't. And I'm glad the young man is making the decision that he's making for himself. Not on some, you know, when I was two years old, my dad put me in tiger diapers. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, has, he has to make a decision for himself. I wish him well. But you have a good one, and thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. We will take a timeout, come back, and have a conversation with Luke Johnson. I, it could be tough or it could be productive. We'll see. I just, oh, I'm still, it's just so mind-boggling what we witnessed on Monday and I'm going to try not to rehash too much. I got to tell you, because I, you know, I just, I got to look forward more than rehash. I'm just so glad never have to see Mark Ingram run a football again. Uh, We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome Back to footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind everyone, Christmas come early sweepstakes brought to you by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and you could score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. Christmas come early sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers and the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us Luke Johnson of the Advocate and NOLA.com. 
Luke, I, 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 I'm gonna. I guess I have to ask you a few questions about Monday, which I think was one of the worst losses in Saints history. And we, we got, uh, we have to rehash a few things. And I want to, but was that the worst loss since you for the Saints since you've been covering them, or would you not rank it that high? Uh, the only one I think that was worse was the 2018 NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, and, and as soon as the game ended, I, I thought to myself, that's the worst loss I've ever seen. And then I thought back about it a little bit, and I, I think the, the championship game was a little worse just because they should have won that game and they should have been in the Super Bowl. You know, stakes were a little bit higher. Uh, but, but man, I mean, it was bad. And the worst part about it to me, I think, was as soon as they didn't convert that, that fourth or that third and one where they, they threw the, the slant to Callaway. I, I knew everybody knew what was going to happen. I, yes. I started rewriting my game story at that moment. Yes, <laughs> you know, I had like I had like eight hundred really good words written about how they kept their hopes alive. Yada yada yada. And I was just like, that's gone. It's done. You know, it, it, it just you knew what was going to happen. So how was, how so, long? So how long are we? How many football games are we going to have to watch before we see another veteran running back do? what Mark Ingram did on the play before. Gosh, I don't know, man. Like maybe the rest of our lives. Yeah. And look, I, I feel bad for Mark Ingram. Cause I, like, I know he got hurt on the play. His Saints career is probably done. Um, you know, he's a really good guy. He's played a lot of really good football. And that, yeah, I know he really wishes he could have that play back, but man, you know, I, when I was watching it live, I thought he had the first down just, just by the way he went out of bounds. You know, and, and I look up and third and one, I was like, what? Wait, how did that happen? Um, and, you know, watching it on replay, it looks even worse. You know, I just, you know, it sucks. It sucks that he got hurt on the play and he felt like he needed to get out of bounds. But, man, first down right there. I mean, just I, I fall mean, down and move the ball forward. You get the, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. I, you know, it, that just, it, it, but it, it's, so this is this is what bad teams do, you know. And, just, and they had so I many opportunities to put how. that game away and win it. And 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 you you see like bad teams have have played like that, where it's just like, hey, come on, man, that's 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 a win right there. That's a, it's a winning play to make. And and bad teams don't make those plays. Yeah, but I mean, I I everyone keeps saying that, but folks, what happened might be the only time in the history of football that that's happened. Like. I think it goes beyond the old where they're just a bad team. I, I just – how in the world can a veteran running back running right out of stick run to the right instead of the left? I mean, it's just – I don't – it's just unthinkable. It's incomprehensible yeah. that that could happen. It has nothing to do yeah. with a losing mentality or anything in my mind. I, I just well, – it's it, But it's not, it's not the mentality is what I'm – I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's – you know, these are these are makeable plays that they're, they're not making. But, and, but know, again, that's, that's it's why, beyond that's, makeable. That's a hundred percent play. I mean, that Shaq missing a—that's worse than fumbling a, a, a snap in a victory offense. It's worse. Yeah, it was really bad. Uh, really bad. I feel, I feel bad for the guy, but I mean, yeah, that's. <laughs> all right, all right. Two two more things about the game, and again, if, if you want to talk more about the game, certainly feel free. But two more things about the game, I want to clean up because. Was that a fumble with about a minute and a half left? Because I never saw a good replay. 
Wait, yeah, wait, and, and was that a know, fumble? I haven't, I haven't actually had a chance to, to rewatch the entire game. I, I, I just went back and looked at the, the big missed opportunities that they had with the you know, the missed catches and the and, and Ingram running out of bounds. But like when I when I watched it live um, and looked at the replay in the press box. It didn't. It didn't look like a fumble to me, but I, you know, I, I can't say that with any with any certainty because I haven't taken a real close look back at it. One more thing, I've heard over the years, and there are certain high schools, and I, I've talked to high school coaches around here, and they say whenever we play certain schools, and I mean it's not just one. It's like their philosophy is we're going to hold on every play the offensive line, and we're just going to hope that they only call four or five of them because you can't hold holding on every play. I, 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 I've heard that there was a, a, a new segment by, pe- by two people who do not like the Saints who said uh, – who, who are not known for liking the Saints, and they said they have never seen so much holding in one game than, than it was on the last two drives for Tampa. Did, did you see any evidence of that? No, and, and again, this is another thing where I'd have to go back and mostly look at it. But, I, you know, I, I didn't see any of that when I was watching it live, um, at least not any anything that was, like, super egregious. Uh, but, it, I mean, it would make sense to me, right? You know, they, like, yeah, their their season was on the line right there. You yes. know, if they, they got to do what they got to do to keep Brady upright and give him some time, then, you know, it, I don't I don't fault them for that, uh, for that, that logic, that reasoning. I think they only got – you only penalized once for holding in those final two drives, if I remember correctly. Right. This is the one that took the touchdown away. Correct. All right. Um, yeah. let, let, let's oh, – okay, well, let's just start now. All right, so I keep hearing that um, – well, before I do that, first of all, I don't – I know everyone – or I say everyone. Most people are – they want Dennis Allen fired – do, is all the the drop passes and doing what Mark Ingram did? Um, I mean, I just can't put that a defeat of Dennis Allen. In your mind, was that a Dennis Allen loss? So, look, if, if the players would have executed the, the stuff they were supposed to, I, I mean, the three drops were absolutely killer. Any one of those changes that game, right? Um, and, and then and then Ingram running out of bounds, like like there's there's massive execution problems that that's that's not coaching, that the players not making plays, right? But at the same time, like I think Dennis has to reevaluate some some things with with how conservative he is, and this is something that we've talked about on your show before. But you know, defensive minded coaches are are by their by their very nature conservative coaches, and I just think. You know, that's that was one of the areas where Sean was just he was always so aggressive, and it was a huge edge in the Saints, like in the, in the Saints' favor. And, and Dennis is just so conservative that I, I think you know he, he misses out on opportunity. I think he did it again this past week, where he's just like, "Yeah, our defense is playing really well. You know, we're going to hold them." It's like, well, you know, I don't think you can just like bank on that. You know, I, I don't think you can bank on winning a game when you score 16 points, like. You know, punting in plus territory over and over and over again, um, you know, stuff like that. I, I think Dennis plays a part in that. And then you know, there's there's other things that that have just been problems throughout the season that he hasn't corrected. And it's just you know, he's got to be better. I don't think he deserves to be fired. You know, I, I understand people's frustrations with him. Um, I think he's had a lot of challenges to deal with this year um, that have played a big part in that in that record. Um, 
but yeah, I think he's got to he's got to take a look at what he's doing and, and maybe reevaluate some things. And I, he's I got. Are we overrating how important or non-important the um, post-game press conferences are? Because he is just one of the worst ever at that. He comes off like he doesn't either. He doesn't care. Or he just he just comes off so weak minded, like did, did, is that are, are we overrated? Because he, he just gives a horrible message to the fan base. Yeah, as, as some as somebody who you know is, is in those all the time, I you know I, I think we are. Like I don't want to I don't want to like understate the importance of, of like the, the visuals, right? I think that that is important, but I, yeah, I don't think. I think the guy's frustrated. You know, he's, he's going into this season with, with you know, his own high expectations for how things are going to play out, and they haven't played out that way. I, you know, I, don't, I don't blame him for being frustrated or for looking despondent in these things. Um, you know, I, I just I think that I think we can't we can't look too deep into those um, to, to say who he is as a coach, as a leader, whatever. You know, I, I think the guys in the locker room actually do like Dennis and do want to play well for him and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think we we can't look too deep into that stuff, sort of stuff. You think Casper would have gone for it on fourth and one? Casper meaning Sean Payton? Yeah, Casper to quit. Yes. yes, yes, I do. And, and it, you know that's that's in his nature, right? He is he is an aggressive coach. He he went for that stuff all the time. Yeah, I, like how many fake punts have you seen the Saints run over the years, right? And I, like, I don't, have we seen one this year? Maybe, maybe we've seen one. I can't remember it if we did. But like, you know, I, especially when you've got Batman on your team, you got to do it some. I agree. Now, now again, one more thing, and then I want to get to the next phase that I want a questioning. I want to do after the timeout. But uh, have you ever asked? And I, I need to do it a better, a better job of doing this as well. Like the thing that I don't get. And again, we're not coaches. You're not. I'm not. There are things that we say that coaches probably roll their eyes at because, oh, they just don't get it. But how can it be a good thing to have a guy like Batman who sucks up so much attention and he throws one pass for about an 18-yard gain and then you never throw him again the rest of the game? I know that they're the great coaches and we're just the stupid fans and sports writers, but how can that be a wise decision? I mean, I don't think it is. Look, I, I think we've seen in these last couple of games teams selling out to stop Taysom as a runner. He's been just really ineffective in that in that aspect of his, of his game. And I think you could open up some of those some of those things if you let him be more of a real dual threat guy back there. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're they're so focused on stopping him as a runner because he's so good at it, and, and he's frankly a, a much better runner than he is a passer. But that is something in his tool skit, or uh, toolkit there. I think you got to let him use it more to open up the stuff that he's really, really good at. So, you know, I, I'm with you. And, you know, I, I just don't – like, they are much smarter about football than I am. They know more than I ever will. But, like, some of these things are just, like, obvious. They, they you know, and, and I think they've got they've to use them. Much like it was obvious that they needed to use Rashid Shahid more, right? Yes. Like, we all saw that. They're like, yes. like why is this guy only touching the ball once? Why has he only seen the field for eight or nine snaps? Um, and you know they finally came around on that, but it's like I, you know you got to like I think you had to make it you had to make that that switch sooner, and I think they've got to recognize that that you know 
Taysom can do more than one thing, and, and you need to give him more opportunities to do that because I think it opens everything else up. And on top of all of it, they wasted, in my opinion, the best game Andy Dalton's played all season. He was awesome. He was really good. Yeah, and I know people are frustrated with Andy Dalton. You know, whatever the case may be, he's not not winning them games. But Andy played well enough to win that game. And yeah, I think he had eight incompletions, and three of them were drops. You know, well, every player on the team played well enough to win that game, except for number twenty-two. Yeah, well, because because on the third down play where he got hurt down about the 11 yard line, he should have got the first down on that one. That was a terrible effort. And that goes back to the fact that they don't have an NFL running back and they haven't had one for two seasons. And why they have not addressed that is beyond me. Well, I think this season has been proof enough that they need to. If they don't if they don't do it this offseason, then they've got some real problems up there. Absolutely. All right. We'll take a timeout, and uh, we'll, we'll the, the next level of questioning that I, I want to get with Luke and really want to get his opinion on. We'll do it after this timeout. We'll be back on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints also known as Alvin Kamara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. want to remind you about our Christmas come early sweepstakes. The game would like for you to win a $500 Visa gift card. It's part of our Christmas come early sweepstakes Thanks to Armentar Jewelers. All you have to do is be part of the Game Rewards Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. You could win a $500 Visa gift card. Again, thanks to Armentar Jewelers and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. Um, Do you think, Luke, before I get to the main question I want to ask or to avenue road of questioning do you think that the opinions of guys like cameron jordan maybe a demario davis or ryan remchek or you know alvin Kamara, will significantly impact whether they decide to fire dennis allen or not uh i don't think so i i I think this is still this is still you know, Mickey Loomis, Gail Benson show, you know, I, I think, I think Gail really likes Dennis, uh, as a, just a person. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's going to, it's going to really take the bottom completely falling out on this thing, uh, for them to make, for them to make a, a change. I don't, I don't think it's going to be, you know, them being influenced by what their players think, especially because, yeah, look, in the grand scheme of things, these, these players are, are expendable. Right, I, I think they're a lot easier to uh, to to move those guys around than it is your head coach. Um, so yeah, I, I think that would be it's still going to be a front office decision. I don't think it's going to be swayed by what the players say. 
All right, so I keep hearing all these people who, oh, I've been telling y'all for two years, we got to just blow this thing up and start from scratch. Well, first of all, what does that even mean? I, I don't even really know what that means. But, 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 but second of all, to me, there's a few positions that have been very disappointing this year. But to me, there's more depth at wide receiver than they've had in years, if not ever. There's more depth at cornerback they've had for years, if not ever. And there's more depth at linebacker than we thought that there was going to be. And the tight end position has turned out to be better than what they thought it was going to, most people thought it was going to be coming to the season. So what would your response be? You say, see, I told you, you it's time to blow this thing up and start from scratch. Yeah, I just I just fundamentally disagree with that as a as as a possibility or as something you should be thinking about. Uh, I think the teams you see blow it up and start from scratch end up being bad for a very long time, right? And really, the only way you're going to get out of that is if you absolutely get rich on the lottery ticket. Um, doesn't happen for everybody. You know, Jacksonville blew it up and start from scratch, and they got you know a guy who was supposed to be a franchise quarterback, and you know Trevor Lawrence has struggled. You know, and and you know, even if they are, even if they do become good under him, you know, by the time they, that happens, it'll probably be you know, he'll he'll probably be on his second contract, making forty million dollars a year. You know, and I think the only team who's really blown it up and started from scratch and actually had it work out for him in recent memory is Cincinnati, and they stumbled into Joe Burrow. Yeah, it doesn't happen like that every time. And you don't you don't know that these guys who you're going to be picking first overall at quarterback are actually going to pan out. Um, so I, I just I think that the good franchises out there are the teams who, you know, when they when they fall into their little ruts or whatever, they they just retool and they figure it out from there. But they don't they don't just sell off and release all their expensive players and deal with the dead money for a couple of years. Uh, and, and you know, suck and get good draft picks. I, it, I just don't think that work, that ends up working out as people think it is, or as people think it does. It's not. It's not like the NBA. You, know, you got sixty, however many players in your roster, sixty-nine, seventy players in your roster, including the practice squad. You know, one guy is not going to make that big a difference. But all that said, like they're not going anywhere until they figure out the quarterback question. I think that's the biggest one, right? And, and I don't think you necessarily need to have a top three pick to get that figured out. Well, so you're saying, well, how, why, why do you say that? Well, I mean, just like look at what's happened in, in quarterback land these last couple of years, right? I, I think it's becoming more and more acceptable for teams to, uh, to move on from guys, right? And, and to try to, uh, to try and, and, and do it in the draft and get a guy who's on a, a rookie contract and, and to, to move on from talented veteran quarterbacks. I, you know, I think I think it's possible the Saints could make a trade for a veteran this offseason and be you know be a, a team that, that people are, are excited about again next year. You know, it's not it's not going to happen with, with Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton as a starter. But you know, I don't is Aaron Rodgers completely done? Could you trade for him and get two good years out of him? And, and extend the, the life of this roster, maybe. You know, maybe Derek Carr could become available. I, I don't know if he's the guy, but you know, it's better than what you got right now. Um, you know, I think it's possible to do it without without just absolutely tanking and, and hoping that you, you strike rich in, in the in the draft on a quarterback in the top three. 
All right. If I told you that I think, and I don't know that I totally believe this, but I have a friend that keeps telling me this. If I told you that Paulson Adebo is really the next Malcolm Jenkins, and so they need to move him to safety now, and he would be elite at that position for the rest of his career, what would you say? Uh, I just don't know about that. He's he's pretty – yeah, Jenkins was a, a, a big guy. Adebo is still – I don't know if I trust him playing safety. He's like 190 pounds soaking wet, maybe. You know, I think uh, it might be a little bit of a projection. All right. So the the part, and, and I get your quarterback point, but the the position that really has me perplexed, and I don't know where to go forward with this, um, is defensive line. Because, I mean, obviously Cam Jordan is not going to play forever, even though he's still playing well. Uh, obviously, you got. I mean, Davenport is no. There's no more hope for him. I mean, there, you know that that's gone. And so, Peyton Turner looks like he might be good, but if he's hurt all the time, not going to be good. So we've had all this frustration with drafting defensive linemen, and it looks like right now you might have to draft another defensive lineman again. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely an area of concern for me too. And you know, you're talking about the edge rushers. Uh, but, I mean, they need to invest in that defensive interior. They've got nothing out of that position this year. Um, so, I think I think you're right. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Davenport this offseason. You know, they've got I – mean, Hello? Are you there? I think Luke has faded. Maybe we have to try to get him back. But, um, no, I think the defensive line – I know everyone's going to say quarterback, quarterback, and I get that. I mean, it's a major issue. I'm not arguing that. But I think, to Luke's point, you know, there are potential options. You're only having to re- – it's hard to get that one, but it's only one guy you got to get. Right? Defensive line, it's been – you know, a, it, you're talking about having to replace two or three guys. So getting back to what you were saying, Luca, the defensive line, I think that's going to be like my point I was making. Yeah, quarterback's a big issue, but that's one guy. If, if you get lucky with one guy, you can solve the problem. They're not just one guy off on the defensive line anymore. Nope. I don't know what's happening. But anyway, um, that, that that's a problem. the The other problem, is, to me, is safety. Now, theoretically, Matthew and May will be back. Theoretically, he um, they could play better next year in their second year. Um, if if Tyron Matthew retired, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, I don't think he's going to, but, I mean, wouldn't shock me. You know, he's played that poorly this year, in my mind. He actually hit somebody in the last. Again, Monday night, I think, was the first time I saw him actually hit someone all season. He actually hit someone. But, you know, again, I I don't think this is a total rebuild. I just... Now, again, I'm really worried about the defensive line. I think that is a major concern. 
But there are more good linebackers on this team than most people thought at the beginning of the year, even the ones that were being optimistic. Linebacker was the big question. Supposedly there were no good tight ends. That was a major question. Well, um, I think the tight end position is better and the linebacker position is better than we thought. And even though Michael Thomas is whatever, again, um, I still think there's more there's more promise at wide receiver than they've had in a long time, if not ever. And so I I, I just the offensive line has it been great? No. But you've got what? One, two, what, four first rounders that are reasonably young? Now, what do you do with Andrews Pete? I don't know. But, I mean, you still have four first-round picks on your offensive line that are none, none of them are that old. So, can, to say that you, what are you going to do, start from scratch with four first-round picks? Really, you have five first-round picks if you count Pete. Of course, he's always just, he's always hurt. But, I mean, th- th- that's not a rebuild situation. The only rebuild situation to me is that you you've is defensive line and you have to figure out what you're going to do at safety. You can either count on those two guys they were were horrible most of the year. But again, part of the frustration for me is May has actually looked decent the last two games. He's actually made some plays. I didn't see him make any plays all season. But these last two games, he's made plays. There's so many things, to Luke's point earlier, that was so frustrating about Monday's horrendous loss. But the last two games, they look like a football team for the first time this season to me. Like, they beat the Rams, but they looked horrible against the Rams. I mean, they won the game, and I know some people say, well, you know, if you win, you're great, and if you lose, you stink. I just, I just, I'm not that result-oriented. I just think that's silly. The Saints look horrible against the Rams. Now, I appreciated that they won the game, but they look terrible. I mean, the whole game, I'm like, can they, how can they be this bad? I just don't understand it. These last two games, I'm like, man, kind of look like a football team again. But then you blow it the second, you boy, you blew both of them. Even though you lost both games, you look like a football team that if you would win the second one and get healthy, like you might actually have something. But no, it's all over. Just over. Prematurely over, just like our conversation today with Luke. Prematurely over. The cat must be like in a tunnel or something. Anyway, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. All right, we'll take a time out, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. I guess my sports gift that I wanted. I'll just have to consider winning the World Series. That'll just have to do. It's not bad. It's pretty good. But uh, I was hoping, you know, maybe be have the World Series and be heading to the playoffs. But uh, look, I was thinking last week that actually might happen. And what about, I don't know, seven, eight minutes in the fourth quarter? Monday, I was feeling pretty good about the chance of making the playoffs. And then 
number 22 decided to run out of bounds, and all of that evaporated in one play. Just unbelievable. And, you know, Luke, you know, some things I kind of have an idea what Luke is going to say. I didn't really know what he was going to think about all of that, but he was as perplexed and dumbfounded and just completely blown away by that. I mean, again, it, it, it's one of the most incredible plays in the history of the of the NFL. Like, how could that happen? Like, how is it even possible that what I just saw happened? It, it's it, it's remarkable. I mean, it, it it's just again. I I don't know if I've ever seen it, and I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Especially by a veteran, I guess. You know, if you were some rookie and you just don't really understand the game at all, I, but I don't even know if a rookie who didn't understand the game at all would do that. <laughs> it was about as bad as anything could be. But anyway, um, before we go, I want to remind you again to join the Game Rewards Club uh, by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou as well. You can't join, join, win any of those prizes unless you join, so do so today. Again, I will not be here in the studio doing the show tomorrow. I will be... Um, on the way to New Orleans to cover the Lafayette Christian St. Thomas More State Championship football game. But I will be doing a phone interview on the way. That's the plan anyway. Blaine, who is also very excited about the Astros World Series championship. And uh, maybe, you know, we'll be talking maybe about that as well as the state uh, football championships um, tomorrow. So look forward to that. Um and, you know, who knows? By then, the Astro, I, I don't really think we're going to have any Astro news between now and tomorrow. But this time of the year, I guess you never really know when news is going to come out. Like a guy like Benintendi or a guy like Michael Conforto, are they going to wait? Uh, I don't know what the benefit of waiting is. Maybe you get some team a little more desperate. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how all that's going to work or how they're – particular agents play that game but um either one of those I'd be happy with uh if they think Brantley is got something left physically after his shoulder surgery I like Michael Brantley if he's healthy and still good enough and I guess at this point you got to trust him either one of those would be pretty excited about what's going to be going on going into next year appreciate all the phone calls y'all have a nice day